Climate change is a global phenomenon. But we experience it where we live, in our homes and workplaces, streets and parks, and in our bodies, wherever they're found. For 4.2 million people, that's in Montreal. Welcome to Zone Rouge, CJLO's series about the impact of the climate crisis on Montreal. Montreal has made ambitious targets on climate change. And people in Montreal have made headlines around the world by gathering in the hundreds of thousands to demand action on climate change. But the city is going to be changed by the climate, too. This week on the series, flooding. We, have water up we sit at the confluence of two major rivers, more or less, the Ottawa River and the St. Lawrence River. And a lot of the flooding that's affecting the city um, is coming from those as well. So it's not just the rainfall that's falling on the city that we have to contend with, um, but everything that's happening upstream. Quebec is home to 3% of the world's renewable freshwater reserves, of which nearly half are in the St. Lawrence watershed. Montreal's situation in this watershed has brought opportunities. But with the climate crisis, it's also bringing an increased risk of flooding. This whole area acts like a big sponge, okay? And that water has to go somewhere. So it naturally drains into the river. If you don't have a river, Lord knows where it's going to go, right? Uh, and if you're fairly close to a river, whether it's houses, uh, roads, bridges, etc., uh, you uh, have to cope with these uh, processes. And now we, we are a bit stuck with these situations because obviously when you have people there, then you must protect them. Where now we realize that uh, the river and nature will win ultimately. I cited a, a, a poem by my godfather who lived right up the bay of uh, where Onage is. So Onage is our local paddling club. It just spoke to me because he, he was saying the water doesn't even move. It's like it doesn't have life. It only moves back and forth with the, with the moving of ships and the destruction that the seaway brought. This series was recorded on unceded Indigenous land, where the Ghanaian Gahaga Nation is recognized as the custodians of the lands and waters, and in Mi'kma'ki, the ancestral and unceded territory of the Mi'kmaq people. I'm Maura Donovan. Let's get to it. in front of the Saint-Pierre River, uh, one of the last visible sections of the river. 
that runs on Meadowbrook Golf Course in Lachine. You have, you maybe here in the back, the train, because the, the whole golf, golf club is uh, encircled with uh, train tracks. Uh, the St. Pierre River was one of 30 rivers and streams that used to flow in Montreal. Um, they've progressively disappeared from the landscape. Uh, in the case of the St. Pierre, that's one of the very few uh, sections that are still visible, all of 200 meters of it. Um, if you go back to uh, pre-colonial times, uh, the river was a means of transportation by canoe, uh, would have been a source of water for agriculture and for drinking, and would also have been a, a, a wonderful hunting and fishing ground. Uh, this water started at uh, this water. This river started at the um, Mont Royal and would uh, go down all the way to Verdun. So that's a that's a pretty long river. This is Louise Legault with the community group Les Amis de Parc Meadowbrook. She's standing peering through a chain link fence at a river, or rather, a dry river bed the sad remains of a waterway that once flourished here prior to the arrival of the Europeans. When the French then arrived, um, they had another vision of nature, of course. I mean, nature was something that you used. Specifically, Europeans used the river for flour mills and for the tanneries where they treated animal pelts from the fur trade. So you added that to uh, waste from agriculture, waste from households, the river got very polluted. Okay. And the call was to cover it for public health reasons. So most Montrealers don't even know there were rivers in, this, in the city. Even when it's hidden, the movement of water is an important part of life in Montreal. But it creates vulnerabilities too, in the form of flooding. And this isn't only due to climate change, but also from the way the city has developed. So let's follow the former path of the St. Pierre River, where you'll end up in the St. Lawrence. It's one of the rivers people do associate with Montreal, along with the Ottawa River. We'll pick up the trail of the St. Pierre and another hidden waterway a little later on. For now, let's stay with the Ottawa River and its delta channel, the Rivière des Prairies, where everything changed in 2017. It came as a surprise. We weren't really ready for that kind of flood. So, uh, yeah, I think that we were around 430 uh, persons affected by the flood in 2017. So I'm Norman Marinacci. I'm the mayor of the borough Il Bizarre saint Geneviève. There was a first wave, wave of, uh, of, of floods. Then it went, it went down. And we thought everything was okay. Then, beginning of May, there was the second wave, and uh, we were really we were really caught by surprise. Uh, it was major. It was short in time. It didn't last a long, but it was very, uh, very tough on citizens, you know, because the, the water level were were at the highest that we had ever seen. In 2017, Montreal was hit with what felt like unprecedented floods. 
torrential rain, the kind of rain that's already become as much as three times more likely than it was in the pre-industrial climate, fell in late April and early May. The combination of overland flooding from the Ottawa River and water backing up out of sewers inundated hundreds of homes, especially in Marinacci's borough. And uh, I remember people crying, you know, people, uh, they, they came to me, they said that, oh, I don't know where to go. So we had a, we had a shelter, by the way, and, and so people could sleep there. I remember uh, going around people and I remember a case where the guy said, uh, I have my dog, I want to keep my dog, I want to sleep here over with my dog. So I had to say to people, the people in charge, well, let him give him their permission to keep his dog. You know, they wanted the, to, they didn't want to accept the dog, so everything went well after well afterwards. But that's the kind of situation that I, I saw. You know, Marinacci's borough was hit again by flooding, although less severely, in 2019. The combination of two unprecedented floods, two years apart, prompted people to look at the river differently. The citizens might say put a wall all, all around the, the street, but it's not that easy, you know. It's something that requires a lot of analysis and permission from the Minister of Environment, and then there's all the costs, the financial aspects. So that's what we're doing, trying to find some solution that could be permanent. The other thing I have to say is that after the 2017 flood, I'm the only mayor who decided that there weren't there wouldn't be any more construction in the zero hundred flood zone line because some mayors they want to build in these zones to get some more taxes but i don't believe in that i say that we shouldn't new there won't be any new houses in the zero hundred years flooding zone not in a bizarre these steps are part of the borough's response to the long-term threat posed by the climate crisis Increased river flooding could come with climate change, but it's complicated. Climate models predict less snow, which lowers the risk, but more rain, which raises it. What's certain is that there'll be more variability, especially in the winter, where fluctuating temperatures can cause ice to break up and jam rivers, leading to flash floods. And the climate changer know it's not respecting the river that creates problems. Yeah, because a, a river flooding in a pristine area, it is absolutely not a problem in itself. It's not a hazard. It's just a perfectly natural phenomenon. It only becomes a problem when you are getting too close uh, to that. And you often see as well the, the wisdom of the uh, older generations. And if you look at how the development in North America, say, was done, Typically, people were not putting themselves at risk in flood zones. It's the more recent development that no, encroached on, on what belongs literally to, to the river. This is Pascal Biron. I'm a professor in the Department of Geography, Planning and Environment at Concordia. I'm a, a hydrogeomorphologist. That's a term that means a specialist of river dynamics. Biron says it's unsurprising that municipalities in Montreal were caught unaware by the 2017 floods. It's in their interest not to think about this, for one thing because they, a good chunk of their budget comes from property taxes. Uh, and of course, the houses with the view on the river are usually worth more. 
Prior to 2017, though, everyone was experiencing a kind of collective amnesia about what rivers naturally do. It so happened that I was working on the flood project with the Ministry of Public Safety uh, that started in 2016, in fact. Uh, and I, I completely remember in the winter 2017, I was in a meeting at Quebec, in Quebec City with an inter-ministry committee on floods. So all the key people from the Ministry of Environment, uh, Public Safety, Transportation. So I remember asking that committee, well, these flood maps, do you verify them? Like when there's a flood, do you check that that matches actually the flood maps? And the answer was no. And then, I said, uh, and then my obvious question was, well, why? And the, the answer, well, it's not in our mandate. And I remember driving back from Quebec City and I was furious and say, well, it's the top priority of a government to make sure that people are safe. And floods are the natural number one natural hazard in Quebec, in Canada, in most countries, in fact, in the world. And I couldn't believe it. I said, well, what, what a lack of accountability or responsibility here to think it's not your mandate to check that the flood maps are actually accurate. So I, I was there and then spring 2017 happened. So I knew that there was no plan, nothing. They, they had stopped at that point to even update flood maps. It was like, just, oh, we had a few big floods, but this will just go away as if we didn't have rivers in Quebec. Like we have like 3% of freshwater resources of the world in this province. And I couldn't believe how narrow-minded People were saying, oh, well, we didn't have big floods in the recent past. So even though we had 2011 and the initial year, which is a big one. The floods of 2017 were a wake-up call, Biron says. But what really changed people's behavior was when flooding happened again in 2019. That prompted the Quebec government to introduce more strict guidelines on rebuilding or new construction in flood zones. It also encouraged more people living in flood zones to accept the government's buyouts. Now, as Montrealers look to the future, it's important people in the city give rivers more room to move. There's nothing that will prevent floods from happening. That's, that's clear, but that may <clears throat> diminish the risk. Uh, again, looking at natural processes in, in, in natural rivers, you have uh, riparian wetlands uh, near, near the rivers, and th those are typically created by the river dynamics. So those wetlands help store water, uh, but we have removed a lot of those. That means restoring those disappeared wetlands to manage flooding. But we just have to realize that when you're looking at the, the, the Ottawa River, for example, it's a huge system. It's like the size of Switzerland and Austria combined. It's humongous. So that there's no way realistically can prevent, even if you had wetlands and get to know, say, or wherever, it's such a big volume of water that that would not be enough. So it cannot just be counting on the fact that these floods won't happen. You have to work as well on, okay, you have this, in some cases, move people out because this is just too risky. In other people, perhaps design neighborhoods differently. Uh, as I say, plan for some areas to be flooded, uh, prioritize these areas for, let the water go there. And we, we now have the tools, we have ways of uh, delimiting the zone around rivers that sort of belongs to the river. We, we call that freedom space in English and French, espace de liberté. Uh, like the Quebec government released a, a new plan in April just this year, and it's built in there. So 
if I if we had had this uh, discussion five years ago, I would have told you it's a disaster. We're so behind. It's horrible. Now I'm saying we're behind, but we have a plan to catch up. So that's encouraging. But right now we're still very vulnerable uh, because it takes time, and there are many many people living close to big rivers in Quebec. It's also important to note that overland flooding isn't the only issue. There's also flooding that starts in the sky. Connecting river flooding to climate change may be complicated, but with rain, it's more straightforward. Warmer air holds more water, meaning more extreme rainfall. That also increases the risk of flooding, but so has the way Montreal is built. And that brings us back to the St. Pierre River. I mean, the main feature of Montreal is Mont-Royal, sitting in the middle. And you had a series of uh, terrasses, okay, uh, because it's, um, these were formed by marine deposits, like uh, you know, millions and millions of years ago. Okay? The rivers drain uh, rain, ice, snow melt. Okay? I mean, we, got, we get enough of that, don't we? Um, so you had all these little rivers uh, either going into uh, Lac Saint-Louis or going into uh, the Back River, uh, Rivière des Milles. Uh, and we've gotten rid of those little rivers. 82% of Montreal's waterways have disappeared in the last century. They're still there, but now they're channeled into the sewer system, Meanwhile, there's more rain flowing into that system than ever. So now when there's a, you know, I mean, and we're going to get more and more of these with climate change, when there's a, a sudden uh, rain uh, episode, uh, the water has no place to go because it's not absorbed by asphalt or by concrete, is it? Uh, and it uh, ends up in your uh, basement. <laughs> when it rains in Montreal, Water rushes over hard surfaces, like streets and parking lots. Normally, this stormwater flows into Montreal's sewers, like this one at Place Jacques-Cartier, and from there into pipes, which range from 30 centimeters wide to over 4 meters. They send that water, along with sewage, to the city's water treatment plant. But with climate change bringing more rain, these pipes can't handle the volume. Instead, stormwater backs up into people's basements and geysers out of storm drains. But rivers, which, after all, are meant to flood, can handle this better. That's why there's a movement all over the world to daylight rivers, or to protect the ones that are barely hanging on, like the St. Pierre. This whole area acts like a big sponge, okay? And that water has to go somewhere. So it naturally drains into the river. If you don't have a river, Lord knows, Lord knows where it's going to go, right? I mean, water will go. It'll find a way. <laughs> Maybe not the way you want, but it'll find a way. Um, so, I mean, by absorbing excess surface water, you need these kind of permeable, again, surfaces, and you need a way to drain it out. I mean, in a way, that's what the whole topography of Montreal tells us, the way it was organized. And, I mean, 
we, we played Sorcerer's Apprentice and fooled around with it. Now we have to pay the consequences. These consequences are particularly severe in the eastern part of the island, where there's less green space to help absorb water. Here, too, there's another hidden waterway that could offer some solutions. Bon, euh, moi, j'ai acheté un duplex en, 19, en 2007. Euh, C'est un duplex de 1922, puis j'ai une source dans ma cour. Il a fallu que je refasse faire les fondations en 2010 parce que c'est ça, les, les vieilles fondations pourries par l'eau. Euh, puis j'ai fait des recherches. Puis le, 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 la source, elle a un lien avec le, un, un affluent du ruisseau. This is François Plourte, water detective. Je suis un, depuis 4-5 ans, je suis un citoyen engagé et j'essaie de sauver des, des boisés qui ont un lien avec un ruisseau, qui est le ruisseau de la Grande Prairie, au Mawson. Plourde initially picked up the trail of the Rizzo Molson by accident in his basement. But he's since used aerial photos from the mid-20th century to carefully map its route. Rizzo Molson, or Molson Creek, once originated where Rue de Chandot is now. From Saint-Léonard, it ran east across the island before reaching the St. Lawrence at the former site of the Canadian steel foundries. Until 2016, parts of it were still visible there, Now, a new development is proposed for the area. Local residents, including Plourde, are advocating for businesses in the development to recreate part of the creek using their stormwater retention basins. This would help divert stormwater from the sewers. Euh, il faut absolument essayer d'envoyer le moins d'eau de pluie possible dans les égouts parce que les égouts fournissent plus. Ils sont ils ont été construits pour euh, il y a longtemps. Plourde's also fighting to preserve patches of forest that trace the one-time route of the creek. This could help manage flooding because trees catch rainwater in their canopy and send it dripping slowly down to the soil, rather than rushing into sewers. In fact, Montreal's municipal canopy already reduces stormwater runoff by 345,000 meters cubed every year. Il y a des boisés comme ça que on voit encore le lit du ruisseau. Il est encore là. Il s'agirait de l'aider pour envoyer vraiment l'eau de pluie dans ces boisés-là. Il n'y a aucun problème. Anciennement, le ruisseau passait là. Fait que... But the traces of these forgotten rivers are a reminder of something else, too. Since the arrival of Europeans, the approach to water in Montreal has been one of domination. But to manage water in an era of climate change, Respecting and understanding it may be part of a better way forward. And that could restore the relationship to the waterways that have shaped the city. Of course, some have been denied that relationship more than others. Attempts to control rivers for the sake of development have created flood risks around Montreal. But those measures have also shaped access to the water, particularly in Ganawage. So for me, uh, because I'm from Ganawage and, and the St. Lawrence Seaway um, was imposed on my community, I wanted to get to the root of 
of how and why. So I started looking into the Library and Archives Canada on their online database and eventually through looking through the Privy Council office uh, minutes, I found actual documents where in their meetings they were talking about how they would go about expropriating the land. This is Lily Yeroon Hiwagan Deer. It changed so much, right? I talked to my grandmother who just talks about how central the river was. And I had a, an elder cousin also talk about how her family would always go to the river every single day, whether it was, you know, this is in a time where not everybody had running water. Um, so people would go and and wash their clothes or, or they would go and swim or, or they would go and fish. Um, but Gahnawage, um, in my limited understanding of the language, um, means uh, at the rapids or by the rapids. And, and that was significant because it really speaks to our geographical location and how we relate to place. I remember um, learning in, in grade nine or yeah, I think it was grade nine social studies at Gunawage Survival School, how our ancestors were navigators of the Lachine Rapids. We had that relationship. Now it's it's more difficult to access that, right? Because just to to access the same, I guess, space as our ancestors did in terms of rate along the most northern part of um, Gahnawage and, and that looks out towards Montreal. We have to drive all the way towards saint Costal, go over the locks there, and then head far west on a road that becomes from paved to dirt. And you're driving for about literally 20 minutes to get to the, the other side of this very thin strip of land. I cited a, a, a poem by my godfather um, who lives, who lived right at the bay of uh, where Onage is. So Onage is our local paddling club. When he wrote that um, poem, it just spoke to me because he, he was saying how his house, mind you, was, was looking out at the bay and um, he just said, like, the, the, the water doesn't even move. It's like it doesn't have life. It only moves back and forth with the, with the moving of ships um, and, and the destruction that the seaway brought. Access to water, environmental racism, and biodiversity. That's next time on Zone Rouge. This episode was produced by me, Maura Donovan, with production help from Zoe Bailey Stetson. Until next time.